Welcome back everyone. The 4-Factor Dividend Growth Portfolio is an actual experiment portfolio that I funded in November of last year. The strategy leveraged SCHD stock selection methodology with a few minor changes in an attempt to create a simple-to-follow rules-based approach to dividend growth investing. The goal is to generate a strong total return in excess of what the S&P 500 can deliver and to build a growing passive dividend income stream along the way. The portfolio is 4.5 months young and thus far it has been doing quite well, but it could have been even better. Let me first talk about the actual portfolio and its performance results, and then I'll share some insights from my recent analysis to show you how the strategy could have been improved. Since inception, which was November 1st, 2022, through March 14th, 2023, this portfolio has generated a total return of 9.91%. The total return of the S&P 500 index for the same period of time is 1.95%. This means the portfolio has generated 7.96% of alpha during this 4.5 month period. I'd say that's pretty good. Much of this alpha came during the month of November, as the portfolio outpaced the S&P 500 by 7.66%. In December, it added 28 basis points of additional alpha. 2023 started off a bit cooler. The portfolio trailed the S&P by 11 basis points in January, and 34 basis points in February. But March is thus far looking a little bit better, with the portfolio seeing 67 basis points of alpha as we enter the second half of the month. The portfolio was funded with a little more than $1,800, which I know is not much, but it does put some skin in the game. I initially moved this money to M1 in September of 2022 and had it invested in other stocks. Those stocks performed well in September and October, at least compared to the S&P 500. Overall, this account is up 16.73% since its funding, but I am primarily interested in the returns since adopting the 4-factor strategy. The strategy is quite simple. It uses the same stock selection methodology as the underlying index of SCHD and copies a similar allocation approach, but includes a smaller number of individual securities. The stock selection process identifies the best dividend growth stocks based on how they rank across four unique metrics. These metrics are free cash flow to total debt ratio, five-year dividend growth rate, return on total capital, and the forward dividend yield. I started with an initial field of 174 dividend growth stocks and selected the 30 best-ranked companies to include in this portfolio. The initial allocation was set using a float-adjusted market cap, with the largest allocation to any single holding being 6.67%, which is twice an equal weight allocation. I wasn't able to start this portfolio exactly at the stated target weights, because the initial trading took place while the market was open and stock prices were moving. This led to some deviation in the return for my portfolio differing from the return of the target allocation. For example, in November, the target allocation return was 12.77%, while the actual portfolio returned 13.25%. In this case, the difference was favorable to me. In December, both returns were identical, but in January and February, the actual portfolio underperformed the target allocation, primarily due to the portfolio drifting further away from the target, driven by some stocks performing better than others. Overall, the margin of difference is not material, with the actual portfolio having a return of 10.49% through month and February while the target allocation return is 10.24%. Now, if I look at the average return of all 30 stocks between November and February, it clocks in at 11.66%. And this tells me that adopting an equal weight allocation, opposed to using the float-adjusted market cap, would have led to better returns. An extra return of 1.17% is not a major improvement, but it did catch my attention, so I started playing around with the individual returns for each of the 30 holdings. The best performing stock in the portfolio at the end of February was Monolithic Power Systems with a total return of 42.96%. Monolithic Power Systems started with a rather small allocation in the portfolio of 0.54%, so this strong return does not have a major impact on the overall portfolio return. The second best performing stock is Taiwan Semiconductor with a total return of 42.3%, which is right up there with Monolithic Power Systems. 
TSM, on the other hand, started with a 6.67% allocation, and its favorable return played a large role on the overall portfolio. For perspective, monolithic power systems accounts for 0.23% of the 10.49% November to February return, while TSM accounts for 2.82% of that return. As I continued looking through the individual returns, I saw a pattern starting to form. Stocks with larger allocations, on average, performed worse than stocks with smaller allocations. And this could just be a coincidence, given that I'm looking at only 4 volatile months of activity. But this got me thinking, what if I look at the return patterns for these 30 stocks based on how they ranked in the stock selection process, and not based on how they were allocated in the portfolio? Since the starting allocations were based on market caps, the ranking outcome had nothing to do with which stock would have an outsized position in the portfolio. When I sorted the returns based on the original ranking, the average return pattern flipped. Now the highest ranked stocks turned out to perform much better than the lower ranked stocks. And granted, this could also be a coincidence as well, given the short time period, but perhaps there is some merit here. The more time I spent thinking about this, the more I questioned why I elected to copy SCHD's allocation methodology, when it was really the stock selection process that piqued my interest in the beginning. Allocating individual holdings based on market cap can be considered a layer of safety, since larger companies are more prone to weather market turbulence than their smaller counterparts. But in the end, that is not my objective. My objective is to outperform the market, and the best path to achieve this goal should not be hindered by applying potential safety bumpers. I want to study these results more in the coming months, but as of right now, I am leaning towards scrapping the original allocation methodology when it comes time to rebalance this portfolio on November 1st, 2023. I'm sure the performance data will change between now and then, but at this point, it's pretty clear that an equal weight allocation, which by the way would have been far easier to accomplish, would have led to at least a 1% higher return. If I started this portfolio with just the top 15 ranked stocks and an equal allocation, the performance would have been even more impressive. The average return for the top 15 stocks has been 17.44%, which is nearly 7% better than the actual return. I know at this point I'm just cherry picking data to paint the picture I want to see, because I did not start with just the top 15 stocks or an equal weight allocation. Because I know it's not smart to chase returns, I will not be making any changes to the portfolio until the next rebalancing event in November. In the meantime, I will accumulate more data and draw further conclusions to support the decision I will have to make later this year. In the end, this is what investing is all about. We make an educated guess and invest our capital in a strategy that makes sense. Then we monitor or analyze the results and make calculated adjustments as necessary. One additional benefit of investing in just the top 15 stocks with an equal weight allocation would have been a nicer starting dividend yield. The actual portfolio started with a dividend yield of 2.33%. The top 15 stocks would have kicked off with a yield of 2.71%. Trimming the number of holdings from 30 to 15 can have a major impact on the portfolio. Not only could this lead to better returns if one of the chosen stocks performs well, it could also lead to bigger losses if a chosen stock sees unfavorable returns. I mocked up the returns for November through February for the top 15 stocks and compared them to the returns for all 30 chosen stocks, and the top 15 were definitely more volatile. In November, the top 15 stocks had an average gain of 15.9% compared to a gain of just 12.3% for the entire field. In December, the top 15 stocks had an average loss of 7.71%, compared to a loss of 5.75% for all 30 stocks. In January, the top 15 had an average gain of 10.47%, compared to a gain of 7.28% for all 30. And in February, the top 15 posted an average loss of 0.66%, compared to a loss of 1.74% for all 30 stocks. When I broke the data down even further, it was really stocks that ranked 11 to 15 that have performed the best thus far, with a combined 4-month return of 27.71%. The top 5 ranked stocks had a combined return of 14.22%, and stocks ranked 6 to 10 had a return of 10.58%. Looking at the bottom 15 ranked stocks, 
there was no improvement in return by adding further iterations of 5 stocks to the top 15 list. Out of the bottom 15 ranked stocks, only 3 are performing better than average thus far. Snap-on, that was ranked number 20, has a return of 13.51%. KLA Corporation, that was ranked number 18, has a return of 20.7%. And Ferguson PLC, that was ranked number 21, has a return of 32.67%. Through month-end February, there are 6 sour apples in the portfolio with negative overall returns and 12 holdings that have above-average double-digit returns. Of the sour apples, Infosys and ADP were amongst the top 15 ranked stocks, and Paychex, Rollins, Accenture, and Lockheed Martin were amongst the bottom 15 ranked stocks. So the ranking process is definitely not perfect, as some of the stocks it identified are not performing so well. But 9 out of the 12 better performing stocks are part of the original top 15. Best Buy, that ranked number 3, is up more than 22%. Lamb Research, that ranked number 4, is up more than 20%. Garmin that ranked number 5 is up more than 12%. ASML Holdings that ranked number 7 is up more than 31%. UPS that ranked number 9 is up more than 10%. TSM that ranked number 11 is up more than 42%. Skyworks Solutions that ranked number 12 is up more than 31%. Applied Materials that ranked number 13 is up more than 32%. And Monolithic Power Systems that ranked number 15 is up more than 42%. The other three of the top 15 stocks are... T. Rowe Price Group that was ranked as number 1, and it is up more than 6%. Texas Instruments that ranked number 2 is up more than 7%. And AbbVie that was ranked number 10 is up more than 6%. Overall, I am very happy with this portfolio and the strategy. I do realize that there is room for improvement here, but I will not make any rash movements based on short-term data. If the same pattern holds true come November, I may trim the number of holdings down from 30 to just 15 or perhaps 20. I am in favor of shifting to an equal weight allocation for ease of implementation a potentially better dividend yield, and because I don't think using the market cap adds any benefit to the strategy as a whole.